Welcome to A Flame for Christ, homilies and talks to set your heart ablaze with love for Jesus Christ. My name is Father Joseph Gill, the priest of the di- a priest of the Diocese of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and this is a talk about God's great mercy. I don't know about you, but I love hearing conversion stories. You know, when sinners go from a life of sin to a life of grace, it's just such a powerful instance of God's mercy the way in which he can take someone out of the darkness of evil and bring them into the light of truth, the way in which he can rescue someone trapped in the mire of sin and bring them to the solid rock of God's family. It's just, it's an amazing example of his power, his mercy, his love. And the church is full of saints who have gone from that darkness to light. You know, I think of St. Moses the Black, who was a gang member in Ethiopia in the 400s, who, after leading a gang of raping and pillaging and murdering, he ended up encountering this abbot whose love and welcome and his his mercy totally changed Moses' life. He became a priest and a monk and ended up becoming a great saint. I think of someone like St. Mary of Egypt, who was a prostitute for many years until one day when she was on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem just for the fun of it, she was unable to enter the uh, church of the Holy Sepulchre where Jesus was buried. And she realized it was because of her sinful life. And so she ended up converting right there on the spot and heading out into the desert to become a hermit. I love the example of St. Hyacintha Mariscotti, someone who was very deeply steeped in the world. And when she was finally spurned by the one man that she had her eye on after being a flirt and, and someone who really just tried to live for the things of this earth, she gave it all up, became a nun, and started living an austere life of holiness. You know, I think of, the, of course, the great example of St. Augustine, who himself lived for the things of this world, fell into heresy, had a child out of wedlock, and then finally one day when he was just feeling the emptiness of it all, heard that voice in the garden cry out, take up and read, take up and read. He took up the Bible, started reading it, and that's where God ministered to the depths of his heart. And there's so many great stories of these saints throughout history, these saints who went from darkness to light. But you know, God's mercy is shown even in occasions where it doesn't take this radical change. I have a good friend of mine, a man named Father Jeff, who's a priest not too far from here in Connecticut, and he had a near-death experience that he talks about very freely. He was saying that before his conversion to, to like serious Catholicism, he was living a very worldly life. He was on drugs, he was womanizing, sleeping with a different girl every night, and one day he had ran out of money for drugs, and so he needed to make some money, and so he went to this clinic where they would pay him you know, a certain amount of money to donate his blood. So he went to this clinic and he, he donated his blood, but it wasn't a nurse that took his blood, and so he started to bleed to death right there on the table. And he remembers seeing his body laying there on the table as he starts rising up through the ceiling of the building. And immediately, he saw Jesus Christ face to face. And when you look in the face of Jesus, who is pure truth, you know exactly where you're headed. And so he knew that because of his sinful life, he deserved hell. That was what he had freely chosen. Not that God wanted to send him to hell, but he knew he had freely chosen it because of the the way in which he had rejected all of God's love for his entire life. He couldn't make any excuses. There were no alibis. When you're there in the presence of Christ, you must be honest. He searches our hearts. But he said he was, he was totally at peace and accepting of his eternal fate. But then he saw our Blessed Mother stand in front of him, between him and, and, and Jesus. And Mary turned to Jesus and said, will you give him a second chance? And Jesus smiled and he said he woke up in his body in a hospital bed. Now, when Father Jeff told me this story, this incredible story of God's mercy, it, it really struck me to the heart but I had to admit that I felt a little twinge of jealousy. 
I said to myself, look, why have I not experienced God's mercy in such a way, you know? I mean, yeah, I've, I've sinned, but I mean, I've never had any visions. I've never experienced Jesus or Mary. I've never had a near-death experience. And for a little while, I was kind of filled with jealousy. And I, you know, and even brought it to prayer. And I'm like, Lord, Lord, why have I not had a mystical experience? Do you have special love for Father Jeff and not for me? But after a few days, I heard God speak to my soul and he said, the fact that you have not fallen into such deep sin is itself an act of mercy. So even if we haven't had this, this experience of really straying from the path of Christ, nevertheless, the fact that we've been faithful to Christ means that it's his mercy. And that's the depths of God's mercy is that it's for every single person, saint and sinner, all of us rely upon the mercy of God. Now, what is mercy? Well, sometimes it's good to see mercy in the light of justice. So justice, according to St. Thomas Aquinas, means receiving what we are due. And because of our sins, all of us deserve death. In fact, St. Paul writes in the book of Romans, he says that the wages of sin are death. And that's the reality is that when we turn our back on God, who is pure life, then we have embraced death. We have chosen death. And so when we look at the cross, we see that's actually the punishment that we are owed. That's what we should have had to endure. That separation from God for all eternity, the spiritual death and the physical death that is a result of our sin. But if justice is getting what we are owed, mercy is receiving that which we are not owed, something above and beyond what strict justice requires. And so when God showers his mercy upon us, he says, that cross, that's not going to be yours any longer. That cross is going to be mine. And he takes upon himself that cross that should, by justice, have been ours. Those should have been our nails. That should have been our crown of thorns. That should have been our beam across our back. That should have been our spear piercing our heart. But instead, Jesus says, I love you too much to abandon you into this, this pit of death. Instead, he says, I will come to you. I will meet you and I will take upon myself the death that you deserve, the death that we owed God. We could not pay back that debt. And so we needed God to pay it for us. And that's what mercy is. You see, God doesn't owe us forgiveness or healing or eternal life. He gives it anyway, not because we are good, but because he is good. And we as Catholics have got to make that shift because, you know, so often at funerals, I hear people say, oh, if anyone deserves heaven, she does. No, none of us deserve heaven. None of us deserve the mercy of God. That's precisely what makes it mercy is that it's a free gift from God who is lavish, from God who is love. We don't earn it. Now, what does that mercy look like, you know, in a practical sense? Well, I had an interesting experience with a young person that kind of taught me a great deal about mercy. His name is Andrew, and he was a very normal, ordinary kid, happy-go-lucky, very intelligent, got good grades, played sports. But one day, as I was preparing for Mass, his father rushed into the sacristy, and his father was trying to speak to me. He didn't speak much English. He was an, an illegal immigrant from a South American country, and he was trying to speak to me and trying to get something across to me, and I didn't really know what he was saying. And so finally, I made out that Andrew is in the hospital. And I was like, oh my gosh, Andrew's in the hospital. This is terrible. What happened? And he said that Andrew was in the psychiatric unit of Stanford Hospital. And I thought, oh my goodness, like this kid is like totally normal. Like what's going on? So I drove there after mass just to go and see Andrew, see what's going on. And I sat down with him and he looked all disheveled. You know, he was, he had been in since the night before. And I said, Andrew, like what brought you into the psychiatric unit? And he said that he was sitting in class in his public school And he just happens to make a bomb joke, a joke about a bomb, to his friends. 
but it had been overheard by a teacher who called 911. And so he was arrested and taken to prison. And his parents really couldn't communicate well. They didn't speak much English, so they didn't communicate well with the police officers about the fact that their son was really a very good student and really had no plans to blow up a school or anything. And so they finally, after many hours of of interrogation, they land Andrew out and they put him in the psych unit of this Stanford hospital. And so going there to meet with him, we were talking back and forth and and he was telling me how everything was falling apart. Now, here he was, a junior in high school, planning to go to college, planning to get a good job. And he said, that's it. My future is ruined. This is going to go on my permanent record. I might have jail time. Who knows what's going to happen? I can't get a job. I won't be able to go to college. Any girlfriend who wants to date me is going to Google me and find that I have a criminal record. What is going on? And so I thought, wow, how powerful that is, Like that he had completely wrecked his life. But what if, what if someone could step in and say, that huge mistake you made, I'm going to pay for it. I'm the one who's going to take all that blame. I'm the one who's going to take your shame. I'm the one that's going to take your criminal record on myself so that you can go free. That is precisely what Jesus Christ did for us. On the cross, he said, all of that blame, all of that shame, all of that cross, all of that punishment that should be yours by right, I'm going to now take upon ourself, myself. And that is the depths of God's mercy. So, you know, right now, probably all of us stand in the need of mercy. Maybe some of us listening to this are struggling with depression or anxiety. Maybe somebody here is being bullied or just feels deeply lonely. Maybe someone's struggling with addictions to drugs or alcohol or lust or pornography. Maybe some of us may be doubting our faith and struggling and wrestling to, to understand what it means to be Catholic or to whether or not we even believe in God. Maybe we're, we're worried about the future. Maybe we have a bad relationship with our parents or with our kids. No matter where you are in life, God's mercy wants to meet you here. Because mercy is where love meets misery. Now, a lot of people say, well, why, why does God leave us in such misery? Why do we struggle with so many things? Well, Romans 11.32 is a powerful quote. St. Paul says, God has abandoned all to disobedience so that he can have mercy on us all. Why are we so broken? Why is life so messy? Precisely so that God can show his mercy. You see, if, if things weren't messy, if we had it all together, We wouldn't need God. We wouldn't rely on him. We wouldn't drag ourselves to our knees every day. We would think that we can do it all on our own. And that is precisely the most powerful and dangerous temptation of them all. I remember back during the COVID lockdowns, right as the cases were starting to finally come down uh, in a certain state, there was a governor who got up on national TV and he said, God did not do this. We did this. Science did this. God did not do this. And I thought, wow, what hubris to think that God was not involved in healing this coronavirus and that God was not involved in like bringing people you know, out of the hospital and, and returning them to their families. How terrible that is. And that's precisely what so many people think is that, well, God didn't do this. I don't need God. I can do this on my own. Humanity is going to solve all our own problems through science or through, through technology, whatever. I can solve my own problems. And that, I think, is why God allows us to experience the depths of our misery, to know so deeply within our own selves that we really can do nothing without him. In fact, this is what 2 Corinthians says. It says that in weakness, God's power is made perfect. In weakness, God's power is made perfect. So God allows us to be weak so that his power may rest upon us. Now, how do we experience and embrace that mercy? Well, the best way is to trust completely in that mercy. 
So the second half to Andrew's story. So Andrew, uh, when I was sitting there with him, and he's telling me this horrible story about how everything is going to pot in his own life, I said, Andrew, right now you look pretty calm. How is it that you look calm? And he said the night before, as he's laying there in bed in the psych unit, he said, he said he was going crazy. The guy on one side of him thinks he was Jesus Christ. The guy on the other side of him is screaming his head off all night long. And he's like, what am I doing here? I shouldn't even be here. But you know, then a thought occurred to him. And the thought hit his mind, God's got this. God's got this. And he said from the top of his head all the way down to the bottom of his feet, he felt this peace just completely overcome him with this idea that God's got this. And he said that's exactly what, what, he, what he needed to, to hear, what he needed to think, was that just simply trust in God's mercy, and that's all we need to do to receive it. Now, yes, come to confession, because confession is where we receive the depths of mercy, but trust deeply that in confession, God will meet you in his mercy. In fact, St. Faustina said that Jesus appeared to her and said, the greater the sinner, the greater the right they have to my mercy. The greater the sinner, the greater the right they have to my mercy. According to the Bible, who was one of the first people to enter heaven? Well, it was the good thief who hung next to Jesus. Now, this good thief had no righteousness to bring to Jesus. He didn't say, Jesus, look at the good stuff I did in this life. Bring me to heaven with you because I deserve it. He didn't say that at all. All he said was, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In other words, I trust that your mercy is even more powerful than this mess I got myself into here hanging on a cross next to this man, Jesus. And he, because of that immense trust in God's mercy, we now call him Saint Dismas. I think we only put ourselves outside of God's mercy when we give up, when we say, forget it, God can't help me, I'm going to stray and walk away from God. And that can be a temptation, right? To say, I'm never going to overcome this sin, I'm never going to overcome this addiction or this relationship that's broken or, or whatever mess I'm struggling with, I can't overcome it. That's not true. Through God's mercy, even if it takes to our very last breath, through God's mercy, he will heal us. But you know something that's interesting? If you look at all these images of Christ when he came back from the dead and the resurrection, notice that he still had his wounds. And in fact, he showed his wounds to his apostles and invited them to touch his wounds. Why? Why would he still have his wounds if he's got this glorified perfect body? Because his wounds have now become his glory. Now that we see the wounds, we see them not as a sign of weakness, but as a sign of triumph. His wounds have turned his test into a testimony, his mess into a message. And God wants, through his mercy, to do those same things with your wounds. He wants to take that test and make it a testimony. He wants to take that mess of your life and make it a message for yourself and for others. And only if we trust and turn to that mercy, knowing, you know what? God's got this. Even as broken as I feel, God's got this. Even as messed up as my life may be, God's got this. Even as sinful as I am, I keep turning to God in repentance, knowing that God's got this. So today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this, bring Jesus your mess. You don't have to put on all sorts of facades in prayer and put on a mask and pretend that everything's fine. Be honest with God. Say, God, I want to pray, but I am so broken. Lord, I, I want to love you, but this is what I'm struggling with. Lord, Lord, I know that my life's not perfect, so take it. Take this mess of a life, make something beautiful out of it. And if we can take the cross, that sign of utter futility, the utter failure of our God, and see in the cross the beauty of the depths of divine love, then what can he do if you offer him the mess of your life?